Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, welcome to the podcast on this very special edition. Yes. Merry Christmas to all of you today. Merry Christmas uh, as now, if well. You're, if you're listening to the podcast on Christmas Day, you probably should stop and go spend time with your family. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing listening to a podcast <laughs> surrounded by your loved ones? But hopefully a day or two after Christmas, maybe you have a free moment. Maybe you're driving back to the store to return things you were given for Christmas. That and were hideous? You can, I mean, uh, it just <laughs> not didn't quite, work out. Not, not, not appropriate for... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so we're hoping, we, we decided to do a podcast uh, for Christmas, hoping that perhaps with a little more downtime, hopefully, that you're having, you might just have a moment uh, to listen and have some thoughts as well about leadership, even in the Christmas season. Because Christmas never, t- our leadership never takes a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, Christmas doesn't either, I guess. So Okay, so for today's podcast, uh, it is obviously a Christmas theme, and Mary gets all of the attention and yeah. all the hype, and, and rightfully so. Yeah. She did give birth to Jesus. Like, that's, that's a big deal. Pretty significant, yeah. You know. But um, you feel that, that there's a lot to be learned from Joseph. Yeah. And that, that maybe gets overlooked this season. Yeah. So uh, why is that? Well, you know, Joseph, I mean, people speculate. We don't know a lot about Joseph. Most people assume that he was quite a bit older than Mary. Mary may well have been a teenager when she uh, was married, and Joseph uh, could could easily have been 20 years older than her. Uh, and part of the reason people speculate that is that by the time Jesus is 30 and he kind of appears in the public uh, domain, there's no mention of Joseph. It's clear he's probably died by that time. So, so Joseph is uh, a business person. He's finally getting married. He's found this... Uh, godly teenage uh, bride and all is going well he's a he's a carpenter a uh, working man earning a living and uh, and uh, and god entrusts him to be the father figure the earthly father figure to his only son uh i, I don't think we want to minimize that we we mm. know that mary yeah, no pressure yeah and 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 obviously god saw something in joseph uh, if you're going to if you're going to entrust your child your your son to be raised by another man, I think you're going to look for character qualities that uh, God would be pleased with. So it, it says he was a just man. He was a righteous man, obviously. But uh, there, there's several traits about him that I think are are very commendable. And I think certainly in this Christmas season, it's just a great time to be reminded of them. One is that Joseph... Uh, now, of course, women always thought about and dreamed about the ultimate... Uh, goal for a woman in that age was to give birth to the Messiah. Uh, every woman hoped that that might be her. I'm not sure how many men ever dreamed of raising the Messiah, being yeah. a father figure to the Messiah. I, I think this catches Joseph entirely by surprise. And so Joseph thinks he's found a very godly, chaste uh, woman to marry. And then all of a sudden he finds out she's pregnant. He knows that that's not from him. And so, of course, it's scandalous. What do you do when your bride comes and says, I'm pregnant, but I haven't slept with anyone? I've, I've, I've remained pure. How you could, how would you deal with that? I'd I, say you're crazy. Like, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, <laughs> and, of course, in that day, 
if someone committed adultery, the, the, the law said you, you stone them, you, you kill them, you put them to death. And he had every right to have Mary stoned to death. She, her life was in danger. And, uh, and, and of course, it was humiliating to say that this woman that was engaged to you uh, slept with someone else instead of you. And the humiliation as a man. In, in, in that Middle Eastern culture, there was a lot of pride. And to save face, uh, to be humiliated publicly, that because there's no way in a small village that you're going to hide that. Yeah. Uh, as she's pregnant, you haven't had your wedding yet. Uh, at the very least, they're going to think you're the one who... Uh, jumped the gun and slept with your betrothed before you were married, and there, there'll be the, the rumor mills, the gossip uh, would have just been unbearable in a small, tightly knit community. And so the the law said uh, stone her, or at the very least, publicly humiliate her, renounce her, uh, maybe somehow shame her in front of the whole village to let people know how outraged and offended you are. But it says uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. And I think a lot of times we underestimate what that shows. He's a just man. He believe, he, He's not going to marry her now that she's apparently been unfaithful to him. But she's also, he's also not going to let his pride and his vengeance uh, be satisfied as well by publicly shaming her. He, he's trying to, here's a woman who's apparently betrayed him deeply, mm. and he's concerned about her feelings, about her reputation. He's wanting to just quietly put her aside somewhere where she's not shamed, she's not ostracized, where it doesn't become a huge scandal to her. He'll just quietly break the engagement. And to me, that says a world's about the character of Joseph. Um, his best laid plans have been deeply interrupted. Uh, he's been offended and hurt in the, in the deepest way that a man possibly can be hurt and betrayed, and yet he's still thoughtful of Mary's feelings, and he still loves her. His love doesn't end just because she apparently has been unfaithful to him. Uh, it says an awful lot about the depth of his character. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he hears from he hears from God. God speaks to him in a dream, and uh, says, "This is of me," and uh, and so. I can imagine Joseph could have said, but God, everyone will be laughing at me. Everybody will be, they'll all think that I'm just an immoral man myself. I'm a just man. I've always lived with integrity. Now, what are people going to think of me? And one of the things you realize of Joseph is when he hears from God, he doesn't care what people think. Mm. Uh, and he does the right thing anyway. And so everywhere, every time he goes to market, every time he's out there doing making a delivery of something he's made in his carpentry shop, uh, he knows people are kind of smirking at him, his... his uh, his future wife or his wife is uh, is pregnant and they're not married yet and all the rumors going about. And yet, uh, I, I don't think we can comprehend how difficult that would be for a righteous man to have to endure. Uh, but it was God's will. And so he, he does that. Well, then he has to, he's also a practical man. He's got to navigate taking his pregnant wife, his very pregnant wife, on a donkey uh, all the way to Bethlehem to register. And she's clearly at the point of giving birth, and he's hauling her uh, a great distance uh, to pay his taxes. Uh, and he navigates that. Uh, and then he's told in a dream, uh, flee from Bethlehem, that the child's life's in danger. And he goes to Egypt for two year, for the next two years or so. And you th- again, you think about that, 
as far as we know, he's never lived in Egypt before. It's an entirely different culture, different country. Um, a lot of people have speculated that the frankincense and gold and myrrh that are brought to him by the wise men uh, are perhaps what he lives on in Egypt. Maybe he establishes a carpentry shop in Egypt for the next while to the boy, while the boy's growing, uh, waiting for Herod to die. Uh, but we just know the Bible story and the Christmas pageants. But you stop and think of the logistics. Because of God's will, this man who's lived his entire life uh, in the same region has suddenly had to leave the country and, and provide for a small family in a, in a foreign nation where he doesn't know anyone, doesn't have any business contacts. How he manages that, pays his bills, finds a place to live, uh, we don't understand. It's just that he obviously had a practical mind, perhaps a good businessman. Uh, maybe he just was good with people and managed to find a place to live and do business. But there, there's, there's a lot of silence in the Bible. We, we can only speculate. But clearly, um, God uses him, and, and, and he's just the man that Jesus needs as a father that makes sure his family is safe and provided for. Certainly could have made lots of excuses to say, I didn't sign up for this, that when I said I would do God's will, I didn't know that meant I had to leave my country and live in a foreign land uh, for several years. Uh, but that's what, what uh, he ends up having to do. Uh, and, and you wonder... The, as Jesus grows up as a young boy watching this working man. Uh, by the way, do you notice how many times when God wants to do a great work, he calls working people? Yeah. Not necessarily preachers. He calls fishermen. Gideon's a farmer. Moses is a shepherd. David's a shepherd. Working people. People work with their hands, but they're, they're, they have a, a, a strong faith in God, a willingness just to obey. And, and oftentimes what God asks us to do is not necessarily to preach a sermon or write a book. It's just to take a practical step of obedience, whether it's move to another country for, to work for a couple of years uh, or to lead a, uh, you know, lead a group of people to where God wants them to be. Uh, and in Joseph's case, he's a carpenter who's told, pick up and move at the spur of the moment. In fact, it says that when David uh, Joseph has that dream to to leave and go to Egypt. He gets up in the night, and he he moves he relocates to Egypt. Now think about you, you got a little fam a brand new or a, just a young child, uh, still quite young, and you got to pack up in the middle of the night and begin moving on country roads all the way to Egypt. Uh, he doesn't even wait until daylight. Once he knows what God wants him to do in the night he's already on the way of course that's mm. dangerous in that day there's no police there's no highway patrol uh he doesn't know all kinds of robbers along the way probably not a lot of street lights either not a lot of street lights uh, not a lot of uh gas stations and rest stops along the way uh to get food and he's just he quickly obeys and doesn't even wait till daylight he he gets up and gets going in the night that that tells you something about joseph and you'll see that over and over again every time he has a dream, and God tells him what to do next. He immediately does it. And again, I think just that simple obedience becomes such a testimony, I think, to Jesus as he's in those impressionable years of watching what it looks like to follow God's will, wherever that takes him. Mm. And uh, lots of wonderful things about uh, Joseph, I think, that are so significant. I, you know, of course, later when, when Jesus is a boy and they, they go to Jerusalem, and which shows you his Joseph's uh, 
faithfulness. That would, to take a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem uh, is a significant journey. You take a time off work. There's expense to uh, make that journey. You find a place to lodge while you're there and so on. And uh, and they're a day's journey back home before they realize Jesus isn't with them. <laughs> I could imagine uh, just the stress of Joseph. They have to return to Jerusalem. Yeah. They find Jesus in the temple debating and discussing with religious leaders there. Uh, I, I can sense if, as a dad, if I've got to get back to work and now I've had to cost me another couple of days of travel, just trying to find this boy who should have been in the caravan. I could imagine some uh, impatient words that could have been spoken. Uh, but you just get the sense from Joseph that he recognizes God's at work in this boy. Yeah. And, uh, I think Joseph recognizes early on that, uh, God's doing something in this young young man, and uh, of course he's been told that he's to be the Messiah. But uh, still, I think as a parent, having to pay bills and handle the logistics of travel, uh, having to have a two day delay at the minimum, two to three day delay in your travels, I know that that would irk me when I was a dad trying to plan a family vacation. Uh, but uh, Joseph, I think one of the things I learned from that is as a parent, it's great to. Keep your eye on the leadership roles that God gives you in your workplace. But uh, one of the key roles you'll ever have is recognizing the activity of God in your own family, in your own children. Uh, how early on do you start to recognize uh, God at work, maybe in your kids or grandkids? Uh, you notice things that just come from God. You know, I had a interesting story about one of my grandsons, uh, Emerson, my oldest grandson. He and his twin brother, Logan, were... Uh, uh, had matching pajamas, but uh, they were getting their pajamas on, and and apparently uh, one of the bottoms was missing. So Emerson had the top and bottom that matched, but uh, Logan had the top, but no, but not the matching bottom. If you know my grandson Logan, he's uh, th- that that won't work. Everything is supposed to be as it <laughs> as it should be, and he knows full well that these don't match, and these are matching pajamas. And Logan just has a eye for that kind of thing, and and he's crying because his pajamas don't match. And so Emerson sees that he has matching pajamas. He could have said, "Well, too bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky me, I shouldn't got have the, lost your. I got the matching pajamas." <laughs> but instead, uh, Emerson just takes off his bottoms, gives them to his brother, and tells his mom he'll just wear other other bottoms, even though they don't match. And I, I remember hearing that story and just thinking, you know, God, you've given Emerson such a generous heart, such mm-hmm. a compassionate heart. He sees his brother crying. He could have said, "Just suck it up." You're, you know, I. Why should I have unmatching pajamas instead of you? But instead, Emerson has a heart to give, a, a generous heart, and uh, that doesn't mean they don't ever fight over a toy. But, uh, but, but many, many times, Emerson has just sort of been the one to make the sacrifice. And I look at that and I think, God, the kid's only three, but, but already I can see that you've given him a generous heart. And even his mother was saying the other day that she's never seen anyone with as much empathy toward hurting people mm. as uh, as Emerson has. And so you look at that and you say, God, I don't know what you're going to do with him, but clearly you've given him a compassionate heart. Yeah. And so I, I just wouldn't be surprised as he grows older if uh, if you're not going to use him in some way. Maybe as a minister, maybe as just someone that, a business person that just generously shares with others what God's blessed him with. But uh, I, I wouldn't at all be surprised. And so I, I see that in Joseph. Uh, at an early age, uh, while he still just has a young boy, that uh, uh, he, he's seeing things in his family 
and he's um, not, and, and he's going with it. He's saying, God, show me what you're trying to do with that. And, uh, and, and then God's using him that way. Once a quarter, Richard Blackaby gives a conference call devotional for marketplace leaders in partnership with Workforce Ministries. The next call will be held on Wednesday, January 9th from 7.30 to 8.15 a.m. Visit workforceministries.org for the phone number and access code. Links will also be in the show notes. So during this Christmas season, uh, how would you say that uh, leaders can benefit from Joseph's example and, and enhance their leadership as a result? Well... A couple of things. Uh, one, especially Christmas reminds us of parenting, uh, the birth of a child, mm-hmm. the gift of a child. And so not all of our listeners are parents necessarily or married. But I think for those who are, it's, it's good uh, not only to look at the gift of Jesus to humanity, but if God's also gifted you with a child, I think to be like a Joseph to say, God, let me handle the. Let me help me to be a good steward of this child. Mm. They're not all going to be the Messiah of the world, <laughs> uh, but they. But every child has a divine purpose, yeah. and to look at each child and say, God, and so what is your purpose for this child? And uh, and I think you have to be careful as a parent that you're not imposing your your will on them, saying, Well, I hope that they go to the same university I went to. Hope they. Uh, take over the family business. I hope that they become an attorney like I am or whatever else. Um, But to say, God, no, I want your purposes for this child. So help me navigate this child to to, uh, become everything that God intended and walk with them. And it may look different than what you do. Your child, the next generation may have different uh, things that are important to them, but God has them raised up in this generation for a purpose and I think great leadership starts in your home. And so I think Joseph, certainly what he realized, and I mean, and there's some you know, differences because he's obviously raising the only Messiah sure. uh, <laughs> in history. But, um, but at the same time, I think Joseph also realized that the, the single greatest contribution he was ever going to make was the, the generation of, of his, the children that came up behind him, certainly his oldest child. And, and I think in some ways... I think that that ought to be our approach as well. Mm. You know, I think about uh, my own family tree. My grandfather, as far as I know, had one poem that was published that he wrote in a, a book. It was an anthology of a number of poems, and he had a poem that was published. Uh, well, I, I don't, I don't know that he ever wrote a complete book, but he got a poem put into a book. Uh, but then his uh, his son Henry wrote. Numerous books, dozens of books, uh, best-selling books. Uh, and my f- dad's first book was written probably when he was about 54. And his most famous book, Experiencing God, was written when he was 55. So he was older when he wrote those books. But then uh, the first book I wrote was, I think I was about 32, 30, maybe 33, when that my first book came out. So I, I cut at least 22 years off of uh, the age my dad wrote his first book. But then my kids... Uh, I think some of my kids wrote their first books when they were like 22, 23. So they cut off a good 10 years off of when I wrote my first book. And we kind of joke with uh, my grandkids now that they may write their first book while while they're still preschoolers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I think that every generation ought to stand on the shoulders of the one before them. And so I think, for instance, if you're a Christian... You may become a Christian later in life. Maybe you're a full-grown adult. 
but now as you're raising your children, you can help them embrace Christ a lot sooner than you did. You might have uh, gone well into your career before you surrendered your career and your future into God's hands and his purposes, but you might guide your children to enter in university already surrendered to whatever it is God has for them. Uh, you might have shared your faith with uh, uh, some people at work and when you had opportunity, but you might really cultivate your kids to be even greater evangelists or writers or apologists or whatever it is that God calls them to do. But, but, but pray and say, how can my children benefit by standing on my shoulders to get a head start at, in godliness and serving God in their own day and their own way? Uh, but uh, I think that's one thing Joseph did. He realized the single greatest contribution I make will be the, the child I raise, not, yeah. how, not how I live my life. And I think it's significant that by the time uh, Jesus begins his public ministry, there's no more mention of Joseph. It's like his job is done. His job was to get Jesus into adulthood without being killed by Herod or his enemies or other people. Uh, and when he got that son to adulthood, his job was done, and mm-hmm. Joseph could go to his reward. Uh, and so I, I think in one sense, we certainly want to make our own contribution, and we want to hopefully contribute perhaps more even than our parents did. But one of the greatest contributions we'll ever make is the next generation. And, yeah. uh, and so I think we need to focus on that, especially at Christmas time, to say, well, Joseph was given a child. He was a good steward of that child. Uh, if you've been given children... Are you being a good steward so those children will also impact their world for God uh, as God intends for them as well? Well, we hope you are blessed this uh, Christmas season. And uh, we certainly appreciate a special word from the life of Joseph. And, and I think it's, uh, it's important that we, we do mention parenting because I think it's, it's often overlooked uh, sphere of, of leadership. Yeah. And, you, you know, know we, we always say, I mean, you may not lead a Fortune 500 company. You may not pastor a mega church, uh, but what, at whatever sphere, Joseph was an ordinary working man. He was a carpenter assigned uh, to raise uh, a child that he had not even been the father of, uh, and a difficult assignment. But in just very practical ways, he fulfilled God's will in his life, and the world is still feeling the impact of that. And so a lot of following God is just ordinary obedience and, and dealing with very practical issues like Joseph did. But, uh, but when, when God is a part of it and when he's the author of it, even the most practical things can have huge impacts. Mm. Well, again, Merry Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Hope you have a great holiday. Yeah, and we'll see you on New Year's. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.